What it do, baby? Welcome back to episode four of the Basketball Junkies podcast. It's your host, Sadi K. I'm with my boy, Slim H. What up, what up, everyone? It's your boy, Slim H. Before we start, I want to give a big shout out to everyone who's been showing us love on Instagram. We are trying to post more frequently, so keep liking and keep commenting on our posts. Without further ado, let's get to it. You heard my boy. We got to get right into it, but we appreciate all the love. Let's hop into the first segment of the show, the weekly wrap up. Sad, sad, sad news coming out of Charlotte this past week. Gordon Hayward is going to be missing the next four weeks with a high ankle sprain. Hey, man. The dude, three years in a row, has been injured. Last year, he missed 20 games. The year before that, 10 games. The year before that, he missed the entire season. And look, the dude was having a solid year. 19 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, 41% from 3. The team was doing well. They currently sit in the 6th seed, half game out of the 4th seed. They lose LaMelo. They lose Hayward. I don't know, man. It's it's looking rough for them. But how bad can I feel for a guy who's made $247 million in his past two contracts? Crazy. Hey, look, look, look. Money aside, you got to feel bad for Hayward. He seemed like such a nice guy. In Utah, he never had any major injuries at all. He averaged 74 games a season when he was with the Jazz. But really, ever since his injury with the Celtics on opening night a few years back, he hasn't been able to stay healthy every season. Some some type of injury pops up. This season was the first time he was really looking like the Gordon Hayward of old, the Gordon Hayward that the Celtics had hoped to sign. A guy who can go get you 20, 22 points a game, five assists, five boards. He was really looking like a really good, strong version of that Hayward. So I really do feel bad for him. And I do feel bad for the Hornets in general, too. They were looking like a team that could cause some major issues in the playoffs for the Bucks, the Sixers, the Nets in the first round. Currently, they're in sixth spot. They've slid a bit. And I really can't see them holding that spot. I think they're not going to fall back to like a 13 spot. They'll be in the play-in games, but whether they win a game in the play-in games, I don't think so. Yeah, I know, man. It'll be a tough fight for them, but they have a bright future. I'm excited to watch them for the coming years, but it is what it is. Look, last week we talked about the trade deadline. This week we got to watch all the players. Man, Aaron Gordon, easily the biggest pickup. I watched him against the Clippers. He was a plus 12 on the floor. Bro, the help he brings for them defensively, insane i mean he only got 14 6 and 6 in that game but he was a solid cutter he switched on to Kawhi. look the suns were my team but i'm now on the nuggets bandwagon it's official you guys heard it here first i'm on the nuggets bandwagon yeah no i gotta agree with you sadie k he looks he looks amazing out there he had 24 points sunday night and they're four four and all of them i mean they look really really strong i really easily think they can win a ring this year especially if lebron and ad are injured still and the lakers slip in the season spot and going back to gordon he's just basically he's a perfect fit on defense and offense next to Jokic. he's the nba's version of a swiss army knife he can pass he can score he can shoot a little bit he can rebound a little bit he can play defense he can basically do a little bit of everything and he's basically just a better and younger version of the paul Millsap at denver hope to sign three or four years ago that's basically what they got of him. So he looks like a great fit next to him. Another big trade that we had was Nikola Vucevic going to the Chicago Bulls. And I was a big fan of this. And so far, the results haven't been the greatest. But I'm not too worried. They are one of four of them. And we just picked up their first win Sunday night. But a few things happened. One, Zach Levine was injured for a few games. He missed a game. and He had a nagging ankle injury. So he wasn't playing. Also, Nikola Vucevic, it's his first couple games there. It's going to take a little while. He's got to get acclimated, especially if Zach Levine's out. And Zach Levine's not playing up to his all-star levels. It's going to be looking a little rusty. They're currently in the 10th spot, which is the playing game. I think they're going to stay around there. And I feel like they, they're going to win a playing game once they get everyone gets healthy. And they're going to make the playoffs. And I feel like they're going to be a, a tough first-round exit. But th- my biggest thing is, this isn't, the, I mentioned last podcast, this move was for the next couple years. I, I think they're going to make the playoffs this year. But I think where the real damage is going to be done is in the next few years. Vucevic is still going to be in his prime. Zach Levine's only going to get better. And uh, Patrick Williams, who I'm really high on as the best player in his NBA draft down the road, 
I think he's going to take a big step in the sophomore season next year and maybe try to sign Lonzo next year. So you never know in the offseason. I think watch out this season. I think they're going to be a tough first-round exit or play-in game exit. But next year, I think they're going to be a real, real tough team. Another trade we mentioned in the last time was Victor Oladipo also going to the Miami Heat. And kind of similar to Vucevic, he's looked a little rusty. He was out a few games. He had a head cold, whatever that means. Uh, but he's been rusty. If you listen to last podcast, that was my team. I really think they're going to make it to the Eastern Conference final and went into the NBA finals. I think it's a great pickup. I'm not too worried. He's rusty. He's coming off a few injuries. If he can get to that level when he was on the Pacers, when he almost took out LeBron, it's a dangerous, dangerous team. They've won four straight. They're picking up steam. They're going to be a tough, tough out in the playoffs. I really think they're going to be in the NBA Finals. Yeah, no, regarding Vucevic, look, in the four games, he's had 20-plus points in each of their games. I just don't think they're impactful. It doesn't stop runs. You know, usually when you throw it to a post player, you try to slow down the game when a team is going on a run. They played the Spurs. They played GSW. They played Phoenix, Utah. And he was a minus 10.5 on the court. So... The game is changing. He is a back-to-the-basket player. He has been able to stretch out the game. I just don't know if he's that piece. Like, if he went to the Celtics, that would have been a big pickup for them because of just the way they're set up. If the Bulls expand that team, you know what? Maybe this trade that they made will pay off in the long run. Yeah, regarding Depot as well, shooting struggles. But for him, the main concept right now is just showing them he can play defense, bring energy, that's that's what he's there for. He's going to get his buckets. He'll get easy buckets off steals, fast break. Not really worried about him. I do think the Heat are sleepers, but the Nets are just far, far, far beyond everyone else. That doesn't really matter. You've seen Blake. You've seen LaMarcus. Those guys are not washed up. Like I said, when they go to a situation that they want to play and they put in numbers. And then the other big trade was, or pickup, was Drummond. He got injured in his first game. I don't know how you get that type of injury. It's just the Lakers' luck. And the last news that came out, I would say, is IT going to the Pelicans. I do feel for that guy. For a guy, we talked about Gordon Hayward's injury. That guy's been injured. He lost his first step, which you need as a small guy. You need that first step to be able to make an impact. He's on a 10-day, hopefully sixth round. Could be a sleeper pickup for the Pelicans, who's trying to make a playoff run. You just call Isaiah Thomas a sleeper pickup? Like, come on, man. I can't, I can't believe that. IT is. He's washed. Come on. Look at LaMarcus and Blake. Maybe it was a little wrong. They can do a little damage in the playoffs here and there. But Isaiah Thomas, sleeper pickup. That guy's washed. Ever since his hip injury, he hasn't been the same player. He's 5'8 on the court. He can't guard anyone. Especially a uh, Pelican team. I know they had a few injuries in the guard spot. But they need defense. Their defense is terrible. You're going to put Isaiah Thomas on the court? I just don't see it. Uh, I really, really, really don't like the pickup. He's, I don't think he's going to make an impact. And going back to Drummond, uh, I mentioned last podcast, I love the pickup. Even his first game, you can see a major difference between him and Marcus Hall. He brought a lot of energy, a lot of rebounding. I know he got blocked a few times by Giannis, but he looked good out there. And I thought he brought a, little, a lot of energy to the Lakers. Injury sucks, but he'll be back, and I think it's a great pickup. This guy said he looked great, bro. My man had two points and, what, four rebounds? <laughs> two quarters of play? It's about Yo, the energy. Watching... He brought energy. We're, we're watching two different games of basketball. Marcus Gasol will be more important to the Lakers in the deep playoff run than Drummond. Just because of defense and his IQ. But, you know, oh, Drummond, that's the big pickup. Whatever, yo, we got to move past that. Lakers are whatever team right now, bro. They don't have their star players. They're whatever. We don't need to talk about them. But someone went and got a bag this past week. 
The Bucks, they signed Drew Holiday on a what? A five-year deal, $126 million. Look, then they have Middleton signed, Giannis signed, Drew signed. That basically means their core for the next five years is those three. You look me in the eye and tell me that's better than KD, Kyrie, and Harden. It's not. The, the problem with this team is when you look at them, their surrounding pieces aren't that great. And then you have to think to yourself, okay, they're not competing for the first seed, clearly. But is that core better than Simmons, Harris, Embiid, Thibel, Maxi? Like, and is Middleton that dude? Because, yo, when they had the Raptors on the ropes two years ago, the year they, the Raptors won it, bro, my guy, Middleton, he disappeared. He had a, two games where he scored less than 10 points and a game where he scored 14 points in the last three games. Like, that's insane. That's your number two player. Do you think that guy is good enough to make you compete with these other two teams? Because those other two teams, the Sixers and the Nets, their second player is a bona fide superstar. So I don't, I don't know how great of a core that is. They've locked them up for the next five years. It's, it's not looking good for them. Yeah, I disagree with you. Uh, first off, it's, it's the only option for the Bucks. They're a small market team. They're not going to get anyone else. They traded a ton for your holiday. They had to lock them up. And I think Holiday is a super underrated player in the NBA. He's arguably, or he is, I think, and a lot of the NBA peers play things, the best guard defender in the league, best on-ball defender in the league. I saw Josh Hart tweeted a few days ago where he said, Drew Holiday is the best on-ball defender in the NBA, and a few other NBA players back that up. So if his peers are saying that, the numbers don't lie, he's a super, super defender who I think can cause trouble for Harden, for Kyrie and Durant in the playoffs if they ever meet. And then you got Middleton, who, look, he's had a few bad playoff series in the past, but the guy's the real deal. He's good. He's a good second, maybe not second, second, third piece on, I think, a contender team. He can get you 20, 22 a night, and big thing, efficient. Play solid defense. I really think you're underrating this team. I think they got the shooting around the honest now with the addition of Tucker. The defense is going to be really good. They're going to be one of the best defensive teams in the East, coming out of the East. I think, I think they have a better chance than the Nets. That's my honest opinion. I just don't, I look at the Nets team and, I don't know, something's missing. Something's going to go wrong. Someone's going to get injured, I think. You don't know, KD's come back from an injury. He hasn't been able to see him. He looks good, but he's been resting here and there. He's been out for an injury. Someone, Something's going to happen, I think. I think the, the, the Bucks can lock this team up. If I had to choose two teams, it'd be like a Heat number one, and the Bucks, they're right behind them. Oh, my goodness gracious me. Yo, I'm not going to go back on my Nets rant because my blood was boiling the last episode. But, yo. And also, I got to mention, I forgot to mention, you say, oh, it's a big contract for Drew Holiday. He hasn't put up the biggest numbers, and he's getting, what, 126 a year? But another thing I saw, The Ringer, they had a big article recently. The NBA TV deal is up in two to three years, and apparently it's going to be something like $76 billion, something crazy. It's going to go skyrocket up. What the NFL got, and NBA is going to be like triple that, which means the salary cap's only going to go up. So in two to three years, this uh, Drew Holiday contract is going to seem like peanuts. It really is. I'm looking at this team. I think. They got their big three locked up for five years. They can easily make an NBA Finals and win an NBA Finals. I think everyone's underrating Giannis. I had him, if you saw my Instagram post, I had him under third on MVP rating. I think people are underrating him. He's having a, basically the same season he's had his past two NBA, season, NBA MVP seasons. He's a monster. I really, I really like this team. And they're my second team coming out of the East behind the Heat. Bro, it doesn't. You, you're talking about three years from now with the new TV deal. The salary cap is going to go up. 
you got to take in when is your chance to win? Because you don't know what the other teams are going to do. You know what they've done right now. The Nets went and got power. The Sixers, to be honest, their young core is nasty. You're telling me your core will be Middleton, Holiday, Giannis. Bro, I'd rather take the Raptors team that won the title over that that Bucks team. I'm sorry, man. This is, there's just not enough firepower. And Lopez, he stretches the floor, but I don't think he's it. Tucker, 35, we talked about. He's not having a great year. He's not going to be great for the next three years. DiVincenzo, he's an energy player. He's like Caruso on the Lakers. I don't know. Um, we can talk about this all day long. Yeah, we got to move into the next topic because it is a big topic. It's going to lead into a broader range of conversations. And that was the topic of Russell Westbrook. He had a monstrous game this past week, 35 points, 14 rebounds, 21 assists. He got a lot of praise from a lot of people, but then he did receive some flack. And the flack was, it's Russell Westbrook. He's been doing this. He's put up these crazy numbers. Stephen A was all over him on first take. It's Russ about winning championships. Are these numbers going to get him there? But I think it's false. Like sometimes when you're not ring chasing, when you play this well, that matters. And if he was like on a super team like the Nets, he's not going to be putting up these numbers. You won't, like I said in my rant, you can't tell about a player's legacies off playing on super teams. You're only going to know about what he does when he's that dude. And Bradley Beal's gone and he's putting up numbers. When KD left, he put up numbers. You got to respect that dude. What he's doing right now, it certifies his legacy. That's just what I believe. You got to let me know what you think. Yeah, for those who know me, I'm a, I go back and forth hating on Russ. But for the most part, I do hate on him a lot. In regards to Stephen A. Smith, I got to agree with him. Like, it's not about your numbers anymore. He had a couple of big stat lines this week. But at the end of the day, like Stephen A. Smith said, it's about winning. And like I said all along, Westbrook, he's not a winner. Like, he doesn't facilitate winning basketball. He's not going to be number one or number two best player on a contender because he just doesn't play winning basketball. His whole career, he hasn't been able to shoot a free ball. He hasn't improved, barely improved at all. He's a career 30% three-point shooter, yet for some reason he shoots four a game. Four a game at 30%. Makes no sense. He thinks he's a good shooter, but he's not. When he does shoot, he's a decent mid-range shooter, but this isn't the 90s. This isn't the early 2000s. The mid-range shot is inefficient. Simple as that. It's not winning basketball. You don't win basketball in today's NBA by shooting a ton of mid-range jumpers. You shoot three-pointers which he's trying to do for a game for his career, but he, he just can't. In terms of defense, not a very good defender. People will be like, oh, he gets steals, he gets steals. But that's not winning basketball. Just because he gets steals doesn't mean you're a good defender. Back in his OKC days, when I watch him a lot, he gambled a lot, just going for passing lanes, going for steals. That doesn't mean good defense. Good defense is locking up your man on ball defense. Just because you get steals doesn't mean you're a good defender. Basically, on offense, he's just a box score guy. In his MVP season, Everyone goes like, oh, he averaged a triple-double, 30, 10, and 10, and whatever it was. Yeah, the numbers are nice. But you got you to watch him in the games. His team was basically giving them boards. Stephen, um, what's his name? Stephen Adams, sorry, which is basically box out his man, let Russell Westbrook grab all the boards. That's not winning basketball. They're reasoning, oh, it helps a fast break. With Westbrook in the hand, we're fast. But let me tell you this. What's more faster? Let me ask you a question, Simon. What's more faster? Russell Westbrook getting the ball and dribbling up court, or a big man getting the pass, and Russell Westbrook leaking out, and now loving the ball. What moves faster, a dribble or a pass? Obviously, the pass is faster. And I agree with you. There were games where they did get him rebounds to help get a triple-double. But look, when it comes to Russell Westbrook, 
he took some pretty bad teams into the playoffs. Yes, first round exit. You got to remember, it's not only about winning championships. That mentality has ruined the game. And it's only important for those players that are in like the upper echelon, the Michael Jordans, LeBron James, that are fighting for GOAT status, right? Those are the type of players that those championship matters for. But when it comes to Russ and players of lower caliber who, are, who aren't ring chasing, like that's the big thing. They're not ring chasing. If you can take a team that he played on to the playoffs, like he did in OKC the year he won the MVP, that means something. Your legacy is certified. Like look at Steph right now. He doesn't have Clay, but he has a shitty team. And my man is struggling. What are they, the 10th seed right now? But Steph's legacy is certified because he won rings. But now when you see him on a shitty team, he's not saying much. He's not doing much. Look at Dame. Dame is one of those dudes. His legacy will be certified. He stuck it out in Portland, and he's putting up numbers. And if he wins a ring in Portland, bro, that guy's legacy is going to be insane. It always comes back to that legacy conversation. For some of these players who aren't going to be in the GOAT conversation, these things matter. Putting up stats like this matters, right? What did Shaq say? Shaq said something on on TNT. He said, when you're a great player and you're putting up great numbers, people are always going to say, wait until you have a championship. If you don't get a championship, that's a knock. But you can't tell me Carl Malone or Charles Barkley are not some of the greatest players. Like, those are facts. My man was spitting facts. Shaq is a dumb, dumb, dumb dude sometimes. But those are facts. So now I got to bring up our next topic. This is our main topic of this podcast. Russ is doing amazing things. So is he going to be a top five player that doesn't win an NBA championship at this pace? And if he's not, who are your top five players of all time who have never won a ring? Well, for... He's definitely not never going to be a top five player, brother. Simple as that. No matter what he does for the rest of his career, he's not. Because my list is stacked with legends, legends of the game. And I saw it, like, maybe I was hating on Westbrook a bit before. Look, he's a, he's a freak athlete. He's one of the greatest athletes of all time. But my list, legends. Russ Westbrook will never be a legend. He'll be a star, and he'll be remembered for his gaudy stat lines, his triple-double year. But he'll never be a top five player that's never won a ring. And my top five, I got the mailman, Carl Malone. Charles Barkley, John Stockton, Elgin Baylor, and James Harden. Oh my goodness, bro. Look, I'm going to give my five. I agree with you on two of them. I think they're not debatable at all. You got Malone and Barkley. Like, I didn't even know Malone had some of these accolades. But when I started looking them up, two-time MVP, 11-time first-team NBA nominations, three-time all-NBA defensive team nominations, He finished his NBA career second in most points scored. And look, every episode or every talk show you talk about, they talk about LeBron James. Oh my God, at 35, he's doing this. At 36, he's doing this. Bro, someone else did that before him. Carl Malone averaged 24, nine rebounds, 50% shooting, 38 minutes per game at 35, won MVP. It was a lockout year, but he still won MVP. The year after at 36, 25.5. Nine rebounds, 51% shooting. Bro, the dude averaged 20 points and eight rebounds minimum until he was 39 years old. Take that in. For 17 years, the dude averaged more than 20 points and more than eight rebounds. Crazy, 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 crazy. And the fact is he would be a two-time champ if it wasn't for MJ. Yeah, no, I can't. I can't put it any better. The dude, he's a, he's a baller. How many people talk about him? But like you said, he's second all-time in points. The longevity of his career. Just amazing. Very, very underrated. 
I think he's top two power forward of all time. Oh. Between him and Tim Duncan. Oh, okay. Wait, 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 wait. We have Barkley on this list, right? And uh, I did a lot of research on this, actually. And Barkley does show up as the number one player who's never won a ring. Higher than Malone, which to me is surprising. Only, like, if you look at Malone's stats and his accolades and all that stuff it's hard to it's hard to put them against each other so i went and did my research on charles barkley because a lot of people a lot of new generation nba fans they only know him as the guy who spoke speaks on tnt they don't know the dude was 6'6 playing in an era where they were dominant big men when i say dominant big men they were Shaq, david robinson carl malone moses malone patrick ewing dikembe mutombo in his prime alonzo morning like yo this guy battled them out day in day out for 11 seasons from 85 all the way to 96, his averages in for scoring, rebounding, assists never dipped below 20 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists. They never went below that. That's crazy. At 6'6", taking anyone in today's NBA, even in small ball, 6'6", guards who are putting up those kind of numbers. He won MVP. That means he beat out MJ. He beat out all those other players. He single-handedly, single-handedly with quotes, carried his team to the NBA Finals. He didn't have another generation talent like Karl Malone with John Stockton, right? John Stockton's on your list. This guy by himself, we don't have another player that played with Barkley when he was in Phoenix, but still managed to make it to the NBA Finals. Still won an MVP. Bro, 6'6", the round mound of rebound. Crazy. He played on the Dream Team. And David Aldridge, highly respected reporter, said on that 92 Dream Team, Charles Barkley was the best player on that team. Crazy! A team with 11 Hall of Famers. That dude is nasty. I just want to hear your point on why you think John Stockton deserves to be on this list because I don't have him on my list. I think it's blasphemy. Well, yeah. Well, first off, there's no there's no reason to talk about Barkley anymore. You, you took everything. All my talking points, you put it perfectly. He's just a beast. Yeah. Well, only thing I'll say is the next next Barkley, sim- most similar is Zion. Like Just small ball, power forward, freak athlete. That's basically what Barkley is. Barkley was the Zion of the 80s and 90s, but better, obviously. Yeah, the only, I guess, knock against Barkley is he never took care of his body, which kind of hurts his longevity. He's not like Karl Malone. Hopefully, Zion takes care of his body, right? Because that's, that's the biggest thing. Everyone just thinks his body won't be able to take his weight when it comes to Zion. But yeah, let me hear your points about John Stockton because I don't agree yeah, no, at John all. Stockton and I went, I went back and forth between him and some people are going to argue with this and Steve Nash. Another underrated guy who's never won a ring. Two great point guards of all time. But if you look at Nash, he definitely had the better peak. He had two MVP seasons. Better scorer than Stockton. Probably a better shooter. I think Nash, one of the most underrated shooters of all time. If he would have played in today's era, he would have been maybe even better than Steph Curry, I think. That's for another topic. Uh, but but going back to Stockton, you got to look. It's two main things. Longevity and the gaudy records that he has. He is the all-time assist leader. And Jason Kidd's number second. Didn't even come close. No one's ever going to break that record. His assists lead in numbers from Stockton. All-time steals leader. No one's ever going to break that record. He's a 10-time All-Star. 11 All-NBA appearances. He's a great defender. Iron Man in the NBA. He only he played 82 games in 16 of his 19 seasons. Similar to Malone, those two guys were they didn't miss games. And since Malone's one of the guys on our list, who was feeding them a lot in the pick and roll? Stockton. Stockton was feeding a lot of Malone's buckets. And like you said, Malone, they ran to MJ two times in the finals. You can't really knock him for that. It's one of the, two of the greatest teams of all time with MJ. So that's why I have my list. But basically, the reason is just the numbers, the crazy numbers. 
I know numbers aren't everything, but when you look at those numbers, assists leader, no one's ever going to touch that record. And steals, no one's ever going to touch that record. Two records that are never going to be broken. And I think that alone should put Stockton on this list. All right. So before I get into why he's not on my list, I'm going to break down my rationale. To me, it's, yeah, statistics, accolades, and impact on the game. So I looked it up. Yeah, you're right. He has some crazy numbers. So in 87 was the first time he became the starting point guard until 2003 for the Jazz. He's number one in winning percentage. He's number one in effective field goal percentage, third in points per 100 percentage, and fifth in points allowed per 100 possession. 100 possessions. Those are those are crazy numbers, but I knock him because he never averaged more than 17 points per game. And you're telling me if you're going to include him on this list, like I said, that's two players you're saying are greatest of all time without winning a ring. You're telling me you only made the championship twice? You have Malone and Stockton, and you couldn't get to the NBA Finals more often? The years that MJ wasn't around, which you said, oh, you can't knock them for that. How come they didn't win those years? They lost to Hakeem. Who did Hakeem play with that's on this list? Who did Hakeem play with? That you could think off the top of your head. is like, oh, man. So yeah, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head, obviously. But exactly, it's Hakeem. Right? Yeah, well, it's Hakeem. One of the greatest centers of all time. Okay, but now you have Stockton and you have Malone on this list, which is why I don't have Stockton on my list. Because I Malone, you just look at his gaudy numbers. He did this for, what, 20 years? I got Iverson and I was going to keep Iverson on this list. And then I just, I went into the numbers. Okay. Obviously accolades, hall of famer, 11 time all-star four time scoring champ, three time steel champ, rookie of the year, two all-star game MVPs, regular season MVP. Stockton doesn't have one of those seven time all NBA, but the accolades are just the tip. Unlike Stockton, he was a number one option carried a team all the way to the NBA finals. He's 165 pounds at six feet. Bro, I'm 5'10", 170 pounds. I'm built like an upside down triangle. I couldn't carry my basketball team to the damn playoffs. Stude averaged 30 points per game five times in his career. The knock against him, he was selfish. He wasn't efficient. But yo, when you play with scrubs like he did, like bro, Aaron McKee, I'm going to say that name. I guarantee you, 90% 90% of our listeners don't even know who Aaron McKee is. In the first 11 years of his career, 28 points, 6 rebounds, sorry, 6 assists, 2 steals, 43% shooting. He played 42 minutes a game. The year they made the NBA Finals, he played 22 playoff games. Two of those, he dropped 50. Four of them, he dropped 40. And eight of them, he dropped 30. In the entire playoffs, he averaged 33 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, 2.4 steals, and he played 46 minutes per game. That means he took a minute and a half off per game. Those are insane numbers. Pull Stockton off, replace him with Iverson. Iverson also impacted the game with the way people dress. Some people say he's pound for pound the greatest player of all time. He never played other than with what? Melo, but Melo was still young. He never played with another great, great player. I can't put Stockton on this list. I'm replacing him with Iverson. I won this argument. There's no back and forth. Well, you know what I'm hearing a lot of? I'm hearing a lot of Westbrook. That's basically what I'm hearing, basically. A whole lot of Russell Westbrook. And I'll give Iverson a little credit. He is a better version of Westbrook. But that's about it. He chucked up, like, basically a chucker. That's all he was in his career. Bonafide chucker. Chuck up a lot of shots. He led the league in steals for three years. But was Iverson a good defender? Like I mentioned, Westbrook. Seals don't mean anything. He wasn't making any all-NBA teams on defense. He wasn't that great of a defense. In general, he was net negative. 
that playoff run, that's all you talk about. Oh, the playoff run, the playoff run, the playoff run. That playoff run, he shot under 40% in 12 of his 17 games before the finals. Like I said, he was a chucker. Uh, you say his team wasn't the greatest, and look, yeah, there's a lot of no names on that team. I'm, I'll give him that. But he had the defensive player of the year, the Dikembe Mutombo, and he had the sixth man of the year in Aaron Mickey. So it's not like he was playing with like, bona fide scrubs. He had a couple of decent guys on his team. And the teams that he beat, he beat the Pacers, the Raptors, and the Bucks. None of those teams were super, super teams. And the Raptors almost beat him. Vince Carter wouldn't have missed a shot. So it's not like they were dominating teams. Also, does one playoff run make him one of the top five players of other rings? No. You got to look at his whole career. He only made the playoffs eight times in his career. Eight. He was a first-round exit in five of those. A second-round exit in two more of those. And he made the finals in 2001. So basically, in seven-year seasons, he didn't make it past the second round. Great score. One of my people may think I'm hating on him a bit. I love Iverson. Great to watch. Fun to watch. Great score. But we're comparing Stockton to Iverson. Come on, people. Come on. Oh my God! First of all, I can't believe you called him a chucker, bro. This is crazy to me. It's crazy to me. Yo, the the we're we're gonna put up a vote on Instagram. I need you guys to go vote. Iverson or Stockton? Who deserves to be on this list? Okay, next you had what? James Harden. Go ahead. Explain this to me. Yeah, no, people, I know I'm going to get a little flack for James Harden because he's still he's still uh, only like 29, 30. He's still a bit in his prime, but you can't deny his greatness. He is one of the greatest offensive players in NBA history. Some might even say a top five score in the NBA history. Better score of an Iverson by far. Unguardable in isolation. Unguardable in the pick and roll. Started as a six-man OKC. His game has evolved every season. When he first got to, when he was on OKC, more of a scorer. First couple seasons in Houston, score, and he averaged like five assists. He transformed his game. Before he was a shooting guard, people always, oh, James Harden, the top five shooting guard. Now he was a James Harden, best point guard in the NBA. Guy averages 11, 12 assists a game. Still while dropping 30 points a game. He's a three-time scoring champ, nine times all-star, MVP award. He probably have two MVP awards, but he only has one. Seven times all-NBA. He averaged 36 points one season. 36. We don't hear those numbers anymore. Kobe, he had a big high score in season one season. That's about it. You don't hear those numbers. Those are 70s, 60s numbers. Like, that's crazy. Okay, first people of all. Say, oh, I... People say, oh, he chokes in the playoffs. But you take away his OKC six-man numbers from his first three seasons in the playoffs, OKC, he's averaged 28 points, six boards, and seven assists in the playoffs. You can't knock him for that. And he's also ran into one of the greatest teams in NBA history, the Golden State Warriors, during their peak four times. And he almost took them down several times. He is one of the greatest offensive players in the league. And he's already on this list. And he still has five or six seasons left in his prime where he's going to be able to dominate, I think. Well, I think they're going to win a title this year, so he won't even be in conversation. But if we want to talk about it, first of all, Iverson averaged over the... I told you Iverson averaged over 30 points per game five times in his career. You want to talk about points. We got to go deeper than the numbers when it comes to today's players, right? Because the pace means more possessions, means better stats. That is a key, key, key aspect in all this inflation of numbers. We cannot deny that. But here nor there, James Harden. I don't think he's that great. Numbers-wise, you might as well treat him the same you treat Westbrook because he hasn't really done much. He's had chances because, yo, those Warriors teams you talk about, they had injuries. And they still, he still didn't get it done. It's not always about the numbers with some of these dudes. He had a chance. Bro, KD went down. They didn't close it out. Come on, man. They were up 3-2. 
He didn't close it out. That's your superstar? Get out of here, bro. He went and teamed up with friggin' KD and Kyrie. Get him off this list. Get him out of here. Matter of fact, yo, put him over Stockton. At least I'd, I'd agree with you on that. Bun Stockton, bum ass. Anyways, I have Tracy McGrady. I'm biased only because he's from my era of basketball. And I got to show love because I don't have anyone from my era right now. But he was 6'8". He had the skills offensively and defensively of Kobe Bryant, but he was a bit better. He was a he was the point forward before there was a real point forward. Okay, you could maybe say Grant Hill as well was a point forward, but his offensive package, untouchable. You want it from three, he can give it to you from three. From the mid-range, he can give it to you from mid-range. You want him to attack the basket? You seen what he did to my boy Sean Bradley? Oh my goodness, man. He Look, he never won an MVP, which you might take him off the list. But look, he averaged 32 points one year, seven rebounds, six, assi- six assists, two steals. That's a crazy stat line. And that year, he shot six threes. That's before the NBA even thought about, oh, let's go jack up some threes. He was ahead of his time from 2000 to 2008. That's his prime. Eight years. He has the fourth best plus minus in that entire span. Crazy. Shows you you can play defense. And he was on some shitty teams, bro. Those Orlando teams were terrible. They got players. They, all those players got injured, and he still carried them. He averaged 26 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, 40, 44% from the field, 1 block, 1.5 steals. That dude was an animal. And if he didn't get injured, he might be number one on my list for best player to, best player to never win a ring. The dude had unlimited potential. For those 8 years, i take him just because what he can do on both ends over Harden any day. I'm going to catch some slack because a lot of the people who watch NBA today, they don't know about the greatness of T-Mac. That dude was an animal. I just wish he stayed in Toronto a bit longer. Wow. I'm, I'm flabbergasted. Wait, You're wait, wait. T-Mac. I, did say, I did say I'm biased. Like, I don't, I don't want that to be forgotten. I said I'm biased, but the numbers I rattled off are insane. Taken if he wasn't injured. Just, I, that's all I want you to do. Take in if he wasn't injured. But here's the thing. He was injured, and I don't even think he's top 10 on, on the list. I can probably find five other players. He like he shouldn't be near this list. Maybe top 15. On Houston, he had seasons with in, during his prime. 30 games, 35 games, and 47 games. The man was always injured in his prime. Like you said, at his peak, he's right up there. One of the best offensive players. No doubt about that. One of the most skilled players. Great player to watch. One game against San Antonio where he scored, what, like 13 points in 45 seconds? That's like my favorite moment of all time. He was amazing to watch. There's not, there's no peak. He has, he hasn't, his peak is like two seasons, two, three seasons. There's just, it's just not long enough. You look at other guys, Stockton, his peak's like 15 years. And then you got the T-Mac, whereas Wait, 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 time out, time But his peak is so low, man. His peak, like, come on, man. Stockton, he played with one of the greatest power forwards of all time. I'd rather you honestly put Steve Nash over playing with Stockton, man. Steve Nash was at least two MVPs. He made other players better, not just Malone. Come on, man. Get out of here. T-Mac, his potential, his peak, to me, is higher than Harden's. It's higher than Stockton's. He deserves to be on this list. Yeah, no, I'm like I'm definitely T-Mac's peak. He's he's up there, one one of the best scorers in NBA history. It just it's not long enough. There's no he's, he's injured too much. Simple as that. You can't put him on a list. Yeah, if or oh, if he wasn't injured, okay, yeah, he'll be on a list easily. But he got injury. That's a fact. And then another thing, when he wasn't injured, he made the playoffs nine years. Okay, that's oh that's oh, that's decent. 
two of them, he was a bench player, getting no minutes on Atlanta and San Antonio. Okay, so he made it seven times. That's looking a little weaker. And then the biggest issue, he never made it past the first round of the playoffs. Not once, ladies and gentlemen. Not once. And I remember in 2003, famous, famous quote from T-Mac against the Pistons. Up 3-1. Oh, he said, oh, it feels good to finally make it to the second round. You know what happened? They lost. Like, you can't have this guy on the list when he never made it out of the first round. At least James Harden, he's been to a few conference finals. At least Stockton, he's been to the NBA finals twice. T-Mac never made it out once. Even when he was healthy. Not once. Okay, wait, wait, wait. We gotta, we gotta hurry this up a little, but you keep forgetting. You keep saying all these guys. Stockton played with a great. Harden played with greats. He played with Russell. He played with KD. He's played with Chris Paul. Who did T-Mac play with that was great? Even when he went to Houston and they didn't make it past the first round, he played with Yao Ming. But there wasn't a year where they were both healthy. I'm just saying, look at... You got to look at this individualistic. And he, in his prime, has a higher peak. Yeah, I think, to me, he's made more of an impact than James Harden. Because all James Harden is... Hasn't won him anything. So peak-wise, McGrady, Harden, Stockton. Yeah, whatever. I'll give you that. And we got, like you said, we got to move on a bit. My list, my next player, like, when you didn't say his name... I. I start questioning your b-ball knowledge, honestly. Like, how do you not have Elgin Baylor? You should be at the top of the list, Elgin Baylor. He's up there with Malone. Like, he's a legend. Legend of the game. He's one of the first superstars in the NBA. He averaged 27 points for his career, 11 All-Star appearances, 10 All-NBA appearances, Rookie of the Year. He has an NBA Finals record, 61 points on the Celtics in Game 5, 1962. He dropped 71 points one game in the regular season. All the numbers are there. The the awards are there. He's got to be on the list. The only knock someone could possibly say about him was he had Jerry West and Wilt Chamberlain for a lot of the year. He kind of had the first super team, three amazing legends of the game. But every season in the playoffs, in the fi- they made it to the finals a t- bunch. Every year they ran into the Celtics, unfortunately. And the Celtics, they weren't no slouches. Like They had Bill Russell, John Havlicek, Sam Jones. So they had their own super team. So basically it was two super teams. So you can't knock him for that. And he's got a statue in front of Staples Center. He's got a statue. You know how many players have a statue in front of Staples Center? Not Four, many. Like Four. Five. And they're all legends of the game. Kareem, okay, okay. Wait, Jerry wait, wait. West, Magic Johnson, and I think James Worthy. All legends of the game. All bona fide Hall of Famers. So that you don't have them on this list is it's, it's ridiculous. You're putting some disrespect on my name. All I'm going to say is, look, this one, it's hard to say no to. But all I have to ask is... Other than the Celtics, who was who were known competition for them during that era? There was no one, and he was on a super team. So obviously, if there's not competition and you're on a super team, you're going to have friggin' crazy numbers. RIP, I'm not going to disrespect the man. But I got some other people that I would put over him. I got to say one more thing, one more thing. Also, yeah, rest in, I to say, rest in peace to him. When he passed away, you got to go listen to what other people said about him when he passed away, their memories of him. And you listen to Jerry West, what he said, Magic Johnson. Every, the way people talk about him, this guy's a legend. He's a superstar of the game. He's got to okay. be on his list. I'm not, I'm not going to disrespect him. I'm not going to say anything. I just don't think the competition level back then is anything equatable to what we have now. Just a, a farther range of greater teams. It would have been more difficult. I'm not going to say anything else. But for me, I had Patrick Ewing. But to be honest, I would maybe put Harden, McGrady, Iverson on your list over that if you don't want to consider Ewing. But look, he played in an era in the 90s 
like I said with Barkley, filled and dominated by the big men. And he was in that list. There was Hakeem, Shaq, David Robson, Patrick Ewing. And to this day, he's still considered one of the top big men of all time. He averaged 24, 11, and 3 blocks in his for 10 seasons. Sorry, during his prime, he, that's what he averaged. He took the team in 95 all the way to the NBA Finals. He played against the Dream. They went 7 games. If Hakeem doesn't block John Stark's shot, Ewing's a championship, he won't even be on this list. But my man put in work. He put in the numbers. He's the best New York Knicks player of all time. 24, 11, and 3 in 10 seasons. In one game in the NBA Finals, he had 8 blocks, 30 blocks in total in that series. The only knock I have against him is the one time he was in the NBA Finals, he averaged 19 points per game on friggin' 36% shooting. That's tough. But to me, if I were to make any changes on my list, maybe I would replace Ewing with Harden, but I would definitely take Ewing over Baylor just because of the range of competition. Like, think about it. When he was playing... Think about all the teams that were there. Jordan's Bulls. There was Hakeem and his Rockets. There was the Jazz. There was the Sonics. There was the Suns. There was the Lakers. There was Stack, the Heat. My man at least made it to the NBA Finals. He was dominant for 10 years. I just, I don't know if I would, I would have Baylor on my list just because the competition wasn't there. He wasn't dominant over like an immense amount of talent. And maybe I'm wrong. Someone's going to probably message us on Instagram and be like, oh, Sadie K doesn't know what he's talking about. Oh. But I'm saying off the top of my head, off the research I did, they just, even when I looked up lists, he wasn't on the top 10 lists. Yeah, I kind of hear where you're coming from. Look, it's, it's obviously, it's hard to compare errors. That's like one of the hardest things when you go, oh, MJ versus LeBron. Especially when we're talking about 60, guy who played in the 60s. It's a different era. They have different technology. We have more technology here, more more training. Obviously, we have better people, quotations, better players now. But you gotta if you go watch his highlight reel, this guy could hoop. Like, he could straight up hoop. And if he had today's training, today's technologies, he'd be a great player in the NBA today. And going on to Ewan, people gotta realize my free locks, Barkley, Malone, and Baylor. Those are my locks, lock locks. Obviously, Stockton and Harden, they're kind of interchangeable. Those are my top five. But I had Ewan right up there. He's probably sixth on my list. I can't really argue with you there. And I also, like, he's right up there with Reggie Miller also. Reggie Miller's another guy, top 10, I think. So, like, they're kind of interchangeable. But I had Stockton Harden on my list. I love Package Ewan. He's a great player to watch. Really big man. I did, like, the one, I don't know if you've ever seen the commercial, a Snicker commercial. If not, go check it out. Type Patrick Ewan Snicker commercial on YouTube. It is one of the best commercials you'll ever see. Damn, man. I don't know. We're going to put it up on IG. I want all you guys to go vote to show Hayden I have better basketball knowledge than him. With my top five, my top five was Malone, Barkley, Iverson, T-Mac, and Ewing. Holy, that was an exciting topic, but we got to wrap up the show. So for everyone who tunes in every week, our last segment of every show is our games of the week. Hayden, what are you watching this week? I got only one game on my eyes, and it's Bulls and Raptors, Thursday night. We got the Raptors and the 11th seed and the Bulls in the 10th seed right now. These two teams are one game apart from each other. They're going to be fighting for to make the play-in game. So I think whoever can win this game is going to have a huge, huge advantage towards the play-in games. And if I had to pick, I'm going to go with my Bulls. Disrespect. You didn't see the freaking Raptors slap the Warriors by 53 points. For me, I got the Raptors versus the Knicks because that is an Atlantic division matchup. And I feel like the Raptors are finally starting to pick up some steam. I'm hoping they'll make the playing games i said in my predictions they would and i said they would take a team in the first round then i'm also watching the suns and jazz number one and two seed they're both healthy i think it's a solid matchup lots of things to watch out for 
Yeah, and that's it, folks. Thank you for tuning in to the Basketball Junkies podcast. The NBA is going to finish strong. Follow us on IG at the Basketball Junkies podcast to keep up with all things NBA. This is your man, Sadie K. I'm with my boy, Slim H, and we're signing off. Stay safe, y'all. Peace. Peace.